0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to a very special um, edition of the, the Royal Blue Podcast, as we uh, look back on the um, career of um, one of Everton's greatest ever players, uh, Neville Southall, on the occasion of the 25th anniversary of um final game for um, the uh, Blues' appearance um, record um, appearance holder. and. Um, I'm joined by a couple of um, special guests today um we've got regular guest um gavin buckland everton's official statistician and i've got my old boss um former um, <laughs> everton reporter at the, at the echo former head of sport at the echo and now have seen a communications manager at everton um dave prentice hello dave good to be back on the podcast again yeah um so we're in a world cup um <laughs> We've got all, um, we, we saw Qatar um, Ecuador the day before we were reco- recording this, the opening game. I mean, it wasn't a great goalkeeping performance. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes to show, I mean, the, the irony really, somebody like Neville Southall, an amazing goalkeeper, best in the world by many people's opinion. He never, never got to play in that tournament. But we're going to hopefully look back at his, his, his amazing um, career at, at Goodison Park, stretch from um, 81 through to 97. Um, I'll turn to you, Dave, because you got particularly... Um, personal story about this particular um, game um, for you and, and, and your son. I mean, it, it, it was a, it was amazing, um, really, to um, think that, you know, it was a terrible day for Everton. the bottom of the table, lost uh, Sutton think that, you know, we didn't know at the time it was going to be South Wales' last game, but it, but it was. But at least there was one highlight of the day for yourself and the <laughs> apprentice family, as it were.
1: Yeah, I was watching the uh, the, the highlights on YouTube again. I just yeah. familiarise myself with yeah. the match because I... I recall it being like a particularly bad, gloomy day. But, you know, sort of lightened by the fact that Daniel, who was then two years and ten months old, not four years old, as the BBC commentator said at the time,
0: was introduced (laughs) onto
1: the pitcher half-time by Alan Myers, who was uh, part of the comms team at Everson then, and uh, toddled up to the park end and uh, with his left foot, uh, sort of knocked the ball into the park end goal. The only goal we scored that day, uh, (laughs) because we got beat 2-0, a very... You know, more youthful David Schindler that later played for us. <laughs> um, absolutely went past Mitch Ward like he wasn't there to score the second goal. And uh, the last goal ever conceded by uh, by Neville Southall in an Everton jersey. And we never knew at the time, like you say, it was going to be his last game, but maybe we should have seen the writing on the wall a little bit.
2: Neville had been dropped
1: earlier uh, in January that year when Joe Royal left him out yeah. um, after the Bradford FA Cup debacle. And uh, I mean, Joe always talked about goalkeepers like you know so fighters lose their punch resistance yeah goalkeepers lose their spring first he always thought and particularly that chris waddle goal in that game he mm-hmm. thought that um you know so neville wasn't getting off the ground yeah you know, so it was like more you know springly as he had done previously and so he dropped in for paul Gerard for like you know so five or six games and neville came back and then he'd done okay he started 97 98 under howard and you know so it looked you know fairly secure but just looking back at the uh, the one results, we'd lost five in a row uh, or four in a row before that Tottenham game, and Howard had just bought Thomas Myra for eight hundred thousand pounds, which was a reasonable sum of money. Mm. And Howard was nothing if not decisive, and uh, you know, and he decided then he was going to make the change, and he did. You know, he dropped Neville for the uh, the game the following game at Elland Road. Thomas Myra kept a clean sheet and started his Everton career very solidly. And that was the end of it. We didn't realise at the time, but that was his 751st and final Everton appearance. So sad in many respects, but also quite symbolic, really, that Howard gave him his debut way back in 81 and gave him his final appearance way back, you know, 16 years later in 1997. And like you say, lightened by Tandos scoring the (laughs) only Everton goal that day. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gav, we're going to come on to many, many positives and many, many
0: highlights. But obviously, if you get this out of the way, First, I mean, I suppose none of us. Are, I suppose footballs football is such a ruthless business. You, you, you don't decide when you go out. Often, it's not your, it's not your decision. I mean, or did your recollections of that particular time? Did he perhaps go on a little too, too long?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think he'd be about 36, 37. um As Franco said, he's um, you know 60, 16 years at the top is a long time. I think so he was not just 89 thirty-nine day, in his last game you know, like so, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, just look 36 or 37. It's just um, it's the length of the career, though, isn't it? You know, you've got, like, he'd made his debut for us in, in 81. He'd been a pro for the best part of 20 years. So it's not just his age, just that, you know, the, the the length of time, the number of games he played for Everton, you know, that's going to say things. And possibly, you get the impression, I think he said in his book, that him and Joe maybe didn't have the best of relationships because of, like, that. As Tanner was saying, Joe thought he was past his best. Mm. And Neville being, you know, the, you know, pride in and you know, he was the supreme professional, wasn't he? Yeah. And like, like, like that, sometimes the dying of the light, you you find it difficult to accept. And he was possibly eighteen months before maybe should have finished, but Neville him to to carry on as long as he could. And I remember, as Dave said, ninety seven, ninety eight, he starts out off the season quite well. Mm. Um. But like, I think maybe if he have been in a better team, he would have been perhaps still playing in goal, but because that same before the start of the year, uh, the pod, that was probably certainly the worst Everton team I've ever seen in yeah. uh, 97, 98. Uh, that was always going to show the flaws up in Neville's game and, and his age. And um, consequently, he, he sort of bore the brunt of that. And it was totally understandable how it did, but I was saying a better team. He may have still been in goal, but yeah, I think he went out those i think that was probably the the sort of latest time he could have gone with with well, still retaining a bit of dignity if there'd been another six months after that it would have been yeah. completely shambolic so i think that was about the last time he could have gone november 97. but where you just look that was the natural end shall we say i think anything beyond that was, he would have been there uh, would have been struggling a bit yeah
0: i mean we all talk about neville southall and quite rightly so you know for the peak of his powers yeah. it, Widely regarded as the best goalkeeper in the world. But they it wasn't inevitable that they would go on to that. Obviously, signed for very modest circumstances from Berry in 981 part of was it Howard's uh magnificent <laughs> seven, as they were called at the yeah. time, and how uh, they ever made it. Two goalkeepers in that yeah. list as well. So it wasn't cut and dry that you know we he had this tough route to the top, of course. Was it Pod Carrier, Waiter, Ben Man, course, um the non-league football working through the fourth division with Betty. And it, you know, it wasn't a given that he was he was going to be this big star. No,
1: far from it. I mean, the, the best two players of that seven were the goalkeepers. Yeah. I mean, uh, Neville ultimately and Jim Arnold, who kept him out of the team for the first couple of seasons, because Jim Arnold was a very good goalkeeper. And um, the, the, the transformation in Neville came, ironically, after that. You know, so absolutely traumatic Derby defeat, you know, the 5 0, where Ian Mush scored four. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it affected Neville. Mentally, so much that Howard quite correctly thought it was a good idea to get him went away from the club and I was on loan, and so he went away on loan and uh just came back a different player. I remember yeah. Kevin Ratcliffe saying, Um, you know, so what happened to Neville because he just suddenly found a voice because he was quite a shy, retiring individual. And it sounds mad to say this about mm. Neville now, but I still think he has that element in him, yeah. and you know, he's very loud and he's very he has a lot of bluster sometimes and speaks his mind a lot, and I think that is born of the fact that deep down, I think he is quite, quite a shy, you know, sort of sensitive fellow, if yeah. you like. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think going away on loan allowed him to basically discover his voice and to discover that newfound confidence. And he just came back, you know, so a, a changed man with more confidence, with more opinions and, uh, and, and more forthright. And then, you know, when he got his place back again and, you know, so was it was at 82, 83,
2: um,
1: just didn't look back and you know so h was the turning point where he suddenly started you know showing us uh, the goalkeeper that he was going to become and you're absolutely right you know so from 85 when he was the football Writers' player of the year through to 91 92 maybe which is a seven year spell for me he was the best bar none you know so you know so in, in our country certainly and probably worldwide as well he, he was just absolutely outstanding you know so game after game season after season Best I've ever seen, yeah, and we talk about that journey to being number one, Gav. I mean, we're
0: all older now than what Nev was when he, he finished. Yeah, But, um, uh, well, this for me, I mean, I'm 43, but I remember when Neville Southwood always been the goalkeeper for Everton for me growing up. So, I was born in '79, you got to think so. The conservatives just came into power just before then and they yeah. stayed in until '97. I mean, Nev won't like me talking about him and them in the same. Sentence, but um, right through to 97, it was the Tory rule, and then yeah. but for me, beyond before my football consciousness, it was always that Neville Southall was Everton's goalkeeper until I was 18 years of age. I was 18 when he played that last game for Everton, he'd always been Everton's goalkeeper in, in my mind, always number one. But as Dave just said, you know, the first couple of years, dropping back down to the fourth division on loan, yeah, back, battling out with Jim Arnold for number one, um, it, it, it wasn't smooth for him to be getting these these great hikes of becoming the, the yeah but he wasn't one. even first uh, yeah. choice
2: in the Wales, Wales goalkeeping mm-hmm. uh position man for schoolboy uh, either it wasn't he I did he was wasn't he right I played out fifth didn't play centre-half <laughs> didn't he and I think I think um I think his first season 81 82 I think he was very good actually he came yeah. in Unexpectedly, I think, when Jim got into the game, uh, Jim sort of cried off the morning of the game against Ipswich, and that came in. Right. And he was, actually, he was absolutely outstanding, I'll tell you what game he was brilliant. The famous game against Spurs in January 82, when Sharpie scored the great goal. Okay. it um, was absolutely fantastic in that game, and Keith show the Spurs manager, who wasn't great on platitudes. He, you know, he was mm-hmm. tough. Said after the game, so I've never hit the Everton keeper before, um, <laughs> but he was absolutely outstanding. You know, he sort of kept us at bay the entire game. Spurs had a really good team. So eighty-one, eighty-two, when he came in, um, you know, because Jim was injured, he was outstanding. Mm-hmm. But as Dave said, it was after the Liverpool game, and he got back in at eighty-three because Jim was Jim had had the poor start to the season. 83, 84 made a few mistakes, and uh, Nev came in and kept us. Position, so I mean, there were signs, I don't like to talk about the little game, but 81 82 there were signs that he was a very good goalkeeper. I mean, I'm going back even before then. Howard, there's that great story, isn't there? But how got a tip off of a, a pub landlord in of the yeah. And how decided to sign the black Did anybody because he, he, he uh, didn't have the money to sign? Him. So how, he was being on Howard's radar for probably 18 months before mm. he signed for 81. Um, but when he came in. As you say, it was you know, it was probably, you know, if you think about it, eighty-five, he'd been with the club four years, so he was like the last one of one how you know Howard Sand. And so in some respects that'd been a tough road for him. But I think he, the talent was always there. Mm-hmm. He, even when he was in the you know, I talked longer eighty one, eighty two, Evan Reserve team at the start of the season, there was always talk even then that Neville was a really good, really good goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so although it seemed like a, a long road, he'd always had the talent, you know, I think it was recognized that and, um he, you know, and that, that talent really flourished, didn't it? You know, as Peno said, 83, 84, he came, he was a completely different keeper, by, his progress, once he became established in 83, his progress then was astonishing, it was astonishingly quick. Um by the end of 83, 84, he was, he was taught, you know, and 84, semi-final against Southampton, Chilton was in goal for, Southampton, Southall and Goal for Evan, and the talk was this is like the two best goalkeepers in England. Yeah. Uh, All right, so if you think about Nev's only sort of being a pair in the fixture for what six, eight months, that's how fast the progress was that season, 83, 84, as Prano said, and he was outstanding at Highbury where Shelton was um, a little bit flaky. And from then on, as Dave said to me, 91, he was was by far the best goalkeeper in the country. And eventually I'm the best of the world you know you know me a better goalkeeper yeah. i can't you know, people ask was, me now yeah, about the yeah,
1: no. you know, best premier league goalkeeper and people always you know point to peter schmeichel and i'm not sure about that you know because schmeichel was a great goalkeeper but you know he also you know so sort of made his fair share of mistakes and uh, and neville you know sort of straddled the premier league era and i suppose in 92 he was just about you know sort of passing his peak mm-hmm. then so 92 to 97 you never saw the best of neville southall but, you know, he still won an FA Cup in that era, you know, so he still had that presence and that, you know, sort of stature. So, I don't know, there's an argument that he still, you know, deserves to be included in the conversation Absolutely. when you about them.
2: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The journalist, there, uh, Paddy Bartley, he's very experienced, wasn't he, you know, said that uh, even in the premier league here the first few years of the premier league what should be what 92 to 95 said neville was still one of the best goalkeepers you yeah. ever seen Absolutely. so yeah. that sort of life yeah. you think about well, that's 12 13 years after this event in
0: debut mm-hmm. i mean i was mentioning you said before david obviously was football writers football of the year and this season that everyone won the title for the first time under kendall i just got my notes there um manchester city's Troutman had won it before got, got Gordon Banks for Stoke City and Tottenham's Pat Jennings, what, 37 years on now. not another goalkeeper, that sort, right. of, get that sort of tells its own story as
1: well, as well doesn't it? That in a tight winning season, the goalkeeper gets played a year it, it does, I mean, I've always thought, like, the, the Football Rices Award is always a bit of a strange one, uh, and, you know, certainly in that era, it was dominated by the London-based press. And um, I think what helped Neville is like the famous, you know, sort of, you know, save against Tottenham, the Mark Falco header, and his reaction to it afterwards. He probably straight at me. You know, was in front of the London press who were yeah. very, very influential. And it was late in the season as well, you know, so sort of when they were making that decision, because uh, he thoroughly deserved it. Yeah. Um, you know, he was absolutely incredible that season. I know, it seems a bit odd, but, you know, one of the standout moments for me that season of knowing how great Neville was. Was a goal he conceded when we were playing bayern the famous game at home yeah and uh we'd, you know we had done well we don't say we've dominated but we would had a lot of the ball and then uh, just before half time ludford Kogel, uh, the the pacey winger broke clear one-on-one on one with neville and i just knew Neville was going to stop it he came out and i just knew did you just had that absolute faith in him and this yeah. is as a fan yeah. imagine what the players were thinking you know, Howard always said to the players, don't concede free kicks on the edge of the box, they've got to beat Neville first, don't give penalties away, they've got to beat Neville. Yeah. Uh, so he goes through, and I knew he was going to save it, and he did, he blocked it, but the ball span awkwardly away, and it felt very, very, you know, sort of kindly for um uh, Honus. and uh, you know, he picked the ball up and just like sort of rolled in the rebounds. And so it seems strange, but I just, I had that faith in him, I yeah. knew he was going to block the original shot, the one-on-one, and he did. And uh, the only time they beat him all night, you know, he was he was just you know sort of forced in yeah, nature that, that points to one and
2: one of was great sense, I think, as a key pet was one, one of one's, was that he's six foot one, but he wasn't big. You know, never never wasn't a big, big yeah. unit. Um, yeah. and he, well, I remember Wilf McGinnis. I think he was coach at Berry and Wilf being Man United manager. seen mm-hmm. it all in terms of football, he said he'd never seen a goalkeeper fill the goal. Yeah, he just had that aura about right. him. that as a, as a striker, if you, and Wilf would have like you know, sort of saying to himself, as a, as a player, as a striker, he'd never seen a goalkeeper fill the goal as yeah. much as Neville yeah. on one-on-ones, even though Neville wasn't league. Mm. And you know, Wilf, well, it was quite a telling that he'd say that because. You know, Nev on one-on-ones was, was fantastic. I, mean, yeah. I know Rush scored a few, but he also still blocked a hell of a lot of uh, Ian Rush's uh, one-on-ones. And yeah, it, was, it, it, it you forget that he wasn't massive, Nev, but Yeah, he was, he it, was it's funny you're talking about with... Rushy
1: there, because I remember many, many years later having a conversation with an Everton goalkeeping coach, Chris Woods, yeah. who was, uh, you know, an England goalkeeper. And I remember Harry, used to be the gate man or at Belfield and then became a kit man, and Harry Scott. And uh, we were away in Holland, and uh, we were just chatting away to Chris about, you know, so, you know, great goalkeepers. And uh, we'd said that Neville was the best we'd seen. And Chris wasn't having it. I was better than Neville. And I suppose that's got to be a goalkeeper's like (laughs) self-confidence. And we we were saying, really, you were better than Neville? And we were, like, mocking him, saying, no, no, mate. And he said... How many times did Rushy, you know, sort of dink the ball over mm-hmm. him? How many times? He wouldn't have done that to me. Uh, then I so said, we started bringing up, you know, going down too early and numerous other goals, you can see that. Wow. But, you know, it's almost just the goalkeeper's yeah. mindset. You've got to be absolutely so single-minded. But, yeah, but he, he picked out, uh, you know, so Rushy beat him so many times. But Rushy has said himself, yeah. he says that, OK, you know, he's proud of the Derby match goal-scoring record that he holds. He goes, but he genuinely believes he'd have doubled it if, uh, if he hadn't
2: been playing Yeah, and I think also as well, of the way i mean i don't want to talk about like evans tactics in the mid 80s a long time but line, we played that yeah, very yeah, high line yeah, which yeah, which allowed rushing yeah, far more than against every other team yeah. against every other striker yeah and that always has to be taken into account and i saw i could think of loads of one-on-ones where yeah. nev uh, blocked was yeah um two wins at anfield 84 85 85 86 he did about three or four yeah. in those two games so yeah i know what chris is saying but yeah. It's not just about that, is it really? No, no. It's it, it, you know, but, but one on ones makes it a great yeah. keeper. Um, you know, that was um, there's an incessant article that Gordon Banks did for the the Daily Mail in '84. You um, went, we played Villa just before the cup farm and we sent Banks to to Villa Park to just to give you know the, the you know scouting well, report. Yeah. watch yeah. and Banks was very very you know, complimentary about him. He said he said he, he said all the sense and it says there's no discernible weakness at yeah. the this game, and now by then it's only not even reached his peak yeah you know it's a couple of years off his peak I was thinking that's peak years were probably 87 to 91 and it, and some for somebody of Banks's experience and ability mm-hmm. and he'd be old skilled as well but he wouldn't get platitudes yeah, out, yeah. uh you know uh greatly to say that about Nav who's still relatively young you know, i am not, not done a full season. I've that in 84 To say that just shows that even by 84 he was pretty much the full package yeah. as a goalkeeper, but was still his best years were well. yeah. to come
0: Yeah, I mean, Dave mentioned that save, that save up to you at Tottenham Hotspur. You were there that I was there, day, yeah, day, David, at uh, the uh, um, yeah. I mean, what what your reckoning of that Neff said, Neff said, Nef said, I hate it straight at me, but come on, it's got to be up there. Yeah,
2: it? I mean, I think there's... Points to main at uh, Nav's main stand as a keeper to me, apart from the one on ones, is if you ever see the show reels on 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 uh, social media, Nav, great saves. There's not many from outside the area, is it, where he flings himself across the goal? Yeah. Most of most of the the, the the saves he makes are reaction saves and around six yard box mm-hmm. you know think of the varadi one and she just went to on
0: almost celebration. doesn't he unbelievable no, it's
2: save it. off john barnes at anfield yeah. uh at the anfield road and they tend to be very very close range efforts where he's reacting and consequently it doesn't look you know great to save, when you look at it, things straight at him, but it, you you forget the speed at yeah. the header i mean falco absolutely bulleted that header and the, you know, the pressure of the game, we he had been under the rack for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes in that game after Spurs had scored. And I was at the other end of the pitch. I mean, my main recollection of that is the crowd's cheering the goal. Yeah, yeah. And and then, so it sort of never stops it and it, it goes out. And then it's just a stunned silence, yeah. you know, as if you've, you've witnessed a miracle or something like yeah. that on, on the pitch. Everybody's just, you know, everyone's just stunned silence in the ground. And then I think on the uh, the news clip, the famous news clip, you see Dave Clements at the other end. He knew about goalkeeper. Yeah. He was a fantastic goalkeeper in in, in his own right. You know, he's yeah. he supported because he recognised the, the greatness of the say And that and that's Neville's greatness, isn't it? What what the great players do? They let like the best at the most important moments, not only in games but in titles and stuff. And that was a pivotal moment in the title race because Spurs get back to two off, a couple of minutes left, could make a winner. Oh, yeah. Um, but we went 2-1 and then we're ahead then, aren't we, in the league? And, and that's what great players do. They, they, they intervene yeah. at the most appropriate moments. And that's what Neville did that day. And, and quite glad the press afterwards. The Southern Press were, you know, if you read the Southern Press report today after, it's all comparing it to the famous bank save. Yeah. Like, you know, as the best yeah. save you would seen since then. And that was my main recollection of, of the night and the aftermath of that. It was all about that save that night
1: you know well, i wasn't there that nice but i mean i a couple of years later when he probably was at his peak uh start of the 88 season when we signed tony cossie and he'd uh scored the hatchet against newcastle on the opening day and we went to coventry the next game and if we won one nil and everybody focused on tony cossie because he scored the winner again and he said afterwards you know well, i was going to get 20 goals this season if i carry on getting service like that i might get 40. Yeah. so it was like real focus on him but that was for me neville's greatest performance yeah. Um, you talk about like, there was like, you know, so I've just witnessed a miracle moments There are about three or four. Yeah, 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 there was a penalty save from Brian Kilkline anyway. And Brian Kilkline was, uh, she was an agricultural penalty. Mm. taker. he just put his head down and leathered it yeah. and, uh, you know, so sort of Neville parried it. There was a save from uh, Greg Downs from a free kick on the edge of the box, which was Aram into the top corner. And it's one of those where he puts it over the bar. How has that happened? Then there was one from was it Bannister, the, Mister, the yeah, center yeah. forward. And ball had gone into the box, and Bannister deflected it in the six-yard box. You know, so last-minute deflection, and again Neville managed to reposition himself to touch it over. And it was just one of those where he was never going to be decent no matter what was thrown at him that day. He was incredible that day.
2: That that was peak. Now for I think, yeah. 88, 89 yeah. I was at West Ham on about 88 uh, Easter Monday, and it was similar performance. Yeah. You know, it was just and some of that's on 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 the internet. I remember that there's quite a few games: 88, 89, 90. But after the game, one of the officers said that's the best goalkeeping yeah. performance I've ever seen. Yeah. John Sillott said that yeah. the Concy manager after yeah. the Concy game, after the West Ham game in '88, all the West Ham players, Leroy, the senior members, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. said, that was just, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best goalkeeping performance yeah. I've ever seen in, yeah. the, 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 in our lives. The players have just said, and there was a few, a few at, at that time, and that's when Nev was at his absolute peak '88 to '91, as yeah. I say. strange enough. Peter Eason in his, in his book said that he felt that Neve wasn't the same keeper after his injury Really, yeah. in 86 right? oh, wow. so, really? sure I thought it was rather strange because I you know, think he was probably better yeah that, probably. yeah absolutely oh,
1: I, 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 I agree with you disagree yeah. with you there because yeah. yeah from that period 87 onwards he was like that, yeah.
2: yeah. that was funny yeah. the 86 the injury because you know like like the jfk moments i yeah. think lots of people I could remember where they were when they found out neville's injured because he like was down road yeah because it was smart yeah. yeah, 86 the cycle later still coming to you know coming to the bullets you know some of the people and i remember uh i was in a pub on my starby roads and he might come in and said neville's broken his leg and he's gone no you can't you yeah. know it's like it's a bit like Gordon Banks, you know, missing yeah. the game against West Germany in the 70 World Cup. You know, the one player who's yeah. totally indispensable in the team finding out he was injured, you know, and he was going to be out for a long time. And that was a pivotal in that title 1885 86. I've never never stayed in goal with the one because it was the surety. He I don't know. I mean, team. Bobby Mims, he had six consecutive clean sheets from coming in,
1: and uh, you know, so didn't we got beat at Oxford, didn't we? Yeah. And then, uh, I can't really think of any goals that we conceded that you know so might have made a difference
2: apart from the cup final yeah I think but my, my thing thinking on that is I think the team changed the style because goals. possibly yeah because yeah. when, when everything goes yeah oh yeah as yeah. a team you know we can we can play with a bit more freedom yeah. we've got Southall behind us yeah. I think in 86 there was a conscious effort by the team at the Howard was telling yeah, to, be. Be. to yeah. say right yeah. okay drop a little bit deeper yeah. don't be as progressive of what you yeah. normally are, because we've got Mims in goal, is a yeah. young keeper. And I, I yeah. think they wouldn't have done and You see the end of yeah. that season, especially away from home, that were quite sensitive. And yeah. I think it was having Mims in goal. I think if Southall would be in goal and the confidence that gave yeah. the players, I think they would have been far more adventurous. And um, I think sometimes the goal, people see the goals, they can see, think, oh, yeah, it did make a difference. I think they made a lot of difference at the other end of the pitch. Yeah, and yeah, a chance in the first place. Yeah, and I think think that was the difference. It was just the confidence. Imagine, like, 86, you've got Neff behind you. Yeah. Yeah. How much that confidence does that give you as as a team, as a defence? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've mentioned some of the saves already, um, Dave, and, and one of the things I sort of see when I watch them back is the double saves he makes when he, he saves yeah. he saves a chance as a rebound and he's on that one straight away for the yeah. rebound. And I guess a lot of that is part of his training, his grueling training regime, he trained train harder
1: than anybody, wouldn't but, he? Yeah, there was one against Liverpool. Um I think it was a Goodison, was it the double save? Was it Aldridge and Barnes maybe? It yeah. Down the park end and it was. But yeah, he did work harder than anybody else. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, he, was, he was renowned for it. And uh, all the players used to say that they used to hate being like, you know, used to feel sorry for the other goalkeepers in the squad because they all had to match those levels because he was always first into training. That was in the days when I was going down to Belfield every day. Yeah. And uh, his car, his big, you know, Volvo, would always be parked. And he parked right outside the front door. Everybody else had their parking spaces apart from Nev. He insisted on parking right outside the door. But he was always in it like, you know, sort of eight o'clock, quarter past yeah. eight, but the place didn't turn up till nine and um, and he'd go in and um bizarrely that was like a sausage butty or something before he went out and then he'd go and train and, and just work ridiculously hard and, and then he was last to leave as well and he did that was just his, his makeup um he, he wanted to push himself and push himself and he, even then you know so people used to like sort of mock about his size people used to think he was carrying a bit of weight um, maybe because those sausage butties, yeah. but you know, and he didn't he used to like sort show his like you know so um, yeah, very sure sure, the show. to the fans. I and mean, you know he was he was trim, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, he worked absolutely you know so fanatically uh, so on the training ground and uh, just because he was he was driven, he was he was professional.
2: He wanted to be the best, and and he was you know he worked hard at being the very very best that's what you're enormously talented goalkeeper. That's what great players do, don't they? They want that. It's in their DNA to make the most of themselves. And like it? it's all about being the best. Like right now, know? Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, is absolutely. Yeah, be the same. Yeah. And not only that, but it's warm ups on match day, also especially. If, if you went away from home, like he'd sort of be caught in the way, and it was not normally the sale and half of it or something, just fine. And I'd never go off the pitch, absolutely filthy. Right, yeah. and, and the game was not even started, yeah, yeah. he was just worked so hard before the game, yeah. you know, just to get the, the feel of the pitch, feel of the ball and the occasion. So it's just everywhere he went, he just worked enormously, enormously hard. And that story is insane, and there's no like of like Tanya and, and behind his back and back across and saying things, but yeah. it must I think there's a few players who said, it was, as a slaker, it was disarming yeah, seeing him against that because he always, he always well, stopped well, it. That yeah. was it. They
1: said that there was one particular training session or, you know, several times where he would actually keep going and not use his hands yeah, yeah. and he would like dive down and block the ball with his chest and with his head and stuff like that. Again, indicating his bravery. And uh, did it on international duty for Wales, but apparently the only player he would never do it with was Ian Rush. He would oh, always geez. use his hands on Rush. But yeah, just and, you know, you can imagine how dispiriting that is for a striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going through, and someone's stopping your shot without even using his hands. I'd yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never yeah. chip him. You yeah. might get yeah. chased all around Belfield yeah. I think if you chip yeah. him,
2: you know? Yeah. But it was just, a, just, just a fantastic. I mean, he's easily the best diving keeper, good player I've seen. yeah Yeah. oh yeah by 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 some distance
0: yeah and we're talking about perhaps his 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 best years okay he got football in 85 I mean we think he was his best years possibly as you say late 80s going into the early 90s the team has declined but he's still at the the peak of his powers and I suppose that sort of culminates with that whole 1990 what happened there with this sit down protest against Leeds United on the opening day I mean that was there was a strange one at the time it it? was I
2: mean I think. I think now if it would be bit frustrated to think in 90 in that he'd I think he that he'd made two or three transfer requests. Yeah. And we got an Egyptian keeper from the World Cup back and beer who came in and I think he had him on a two-week trial and after a couple of days Colin said no we're we're gonna sign him, you know. And as it as it, as it happened, the, the wear payment he couldn't get a work payment for. Them. So I don't know about the nev thought colin was sort of send them a little bit of a message, you know. And I think he'd become frustrated, I think because of his high standards, maybe he thought that those people coming in, perhaps didn't have them. I remember there's a great double, save. great double saves. There was one of Phillip Park in the incredible save off David Platt, came, mm-hmm. went out wide, fell across the ring, he, then he went <laughs> far post, he went rushing along the, the goal line. Tony, I think it was Tony Daly coming, blocked it at the, uh, the far post. And you're thinking like, oh, that's fantastic, that's an incredible goalkeeper. And then the ball went I'll say, uh, to, to um the halfway line, came back in and David Platt scored. And oh. you can just see, I was watching yeah, it last year, There's a picture of Nev just getting the ball out of the net and just kicking it up, up yeah, the yeah. pitch as if to say, like, I've, I've done, done all that, I've done here, yeah. like you know, and I'm still being let down, you know. And you know, I'm at my best, and everybody else declined. It just it just looked like that, and I think all that frustration came to head, I think I think in 90 where he's had to aim, you know, he'd had like you know three or four fantastic seasons, but things were slipping, um, maybe on and off the pitch, as we know, and we played Leeds on the opening day, and, um, you know, I think, I know you would know, probably know more than me, because you were reporting at the time, you know, I remember being at the game, I thought oh, Looks a bit odd, and of course he went to the Leeds end, which was which yeah. was strange. You know, I think probably that's where we were playing. It's just funny the Leeds fans' reactions, well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. He, he, was,
1: he was, he was, I think
2: he was actively trying to get out
1: of yeah, the club yeah, at yeah. the time, and uh, like you say, he put in transfer requests, and uh, that was the area when Manchester United were desperate to sign him, and uh, Alex Ferguson rang him in his car, you know, so obviously strictly illegal these days, you yeah, know, so yeah. tapping players up. But Neville thought it was Andy Gray winding yeah. him and, up. Uh, and I won't use the language that Neville used you know, yeah. so on the podcast, but he basically, you know, sort of swore up himself. And then, you know, Alex rang him back again. No, 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 it is Alex Ferguson. Yeah. And uh, Neville didn't believe him. And, you know, United wanted it badly, uh, but Everson quite cleverly and quite correctly had tied him down to a seven-year contract, yeah. which is unheard of back then. Mm-hmm. Seven years, you know, so contract, yeah. uh, because he was so good. Uh, and, and he signed it, and I think that was like two or three years into the contract, and he thought, you know, he could see that things were slipping and uh, maybe he did he was looking to try and get away and so he claims that he knew he wasn't playing well and he wanted to walk out and clear his head and sit on the goal post and in that documentary he's done recently on the bbc he sort of concedes that you know so sort he of acted a bit stupidly mm. uh he won't say as much but you can read between the lines and you think yeah i think he concedes that you know he didn't behave well that day because uh, colin didn't even know he'd walked out mm-hmm. you know so, so you know so, so colin yeah. just had no idea. So the following day, when the, the press rang it to ask him you know, so what money made of it all, and um, I think he did that deliberately to, you know, so look, you know, so I've had enough. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm pulling my out, like you say. I'm doing everything I possibly can, and things aren't going right. And uh, we got, we came back actually into that game. We only got beat three-two in the end, but uh, it was the start of like so quite a grim slide, really. That ended up with, you know, so Colin losing his job, Howard coming back in, and even then, you know, so the magic had gone, and things were like. I don't know on an even keel for a few seasons until
2: Howard went in 93 yeah. and then it was a uh, well by Michael Walker later. There, yeah, I think there was a story that because they had that United had that Shambles and final with one. They had these two goals because Yeah, so he, he uh, came in yeah, yeah, Jim Leighton. and I think ferguson in the summer of '90 the identified them. And I think the story is Wales were playing international mid in mid September, and he'd instructed one of his players to have a word yeah. with with now yeah. and um but in the incident they had the incident at leeds yeah. and i think fix thought you know he'd had a, he had a few shall we say hr issues with a couple yeah. of players he and i thought i don't want another one like yeah. yeah. that and, and he passed them back i mean i think kenny was interested wasn't he yeah. i think I kenny think so, was a huge yeah. admirer um there was rumors i think i've said in his book there was rumors of like doubling the british transfer record and, yeah uh, to four million, and I know Real Madrid were interested and in Barcelona, but he ended up. There uh, was a bit of a bit of a legal case there with Bar- you know, with the newspaper over Barcelona, and so I think by ninety, I, mean, I, 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 I suppose really his reputation is has lost. Like those five years not playing in Europe when he was at yeah. his peak, I think not of all the players whose reputations could have really been enhanced. That it was and we combined that with the lack of the World Cup yeah, stuff yeah, as well. Yeah. As you know, teams, and so We saw my best goalkeeper in the world and you uh, said, you know, carrying was in Russia and, you know, so say Faf, and he didn't do himself any favours. of Goodson, didn't he, good, some, did no. he Clay, for, for, for uh, Bayern Munich. You're looking at players in international duty, yeah. you know, in World Cups, and there's nowhere near as good as never and never yeah. fantastic for Wales. You know, some of his performances were for Wales that you see around that time, at, say Denmark and Holland. I in 88, they were, they were supernatural yeah. as well, you know. So it wasn't just for Everton, that made them a great keeper. It was for Wales as well. Yeah. Well, bizarrely,
1: yeah, I mean, that documentary, the BBC, really starts with the 7-0 defeat by Holland yeah, when he was man of the match. Yeah. He got the man of the
2: match he was, having yeah. conceded the 7, because, yeah. you know, again, it could have been double that number. But, uh, in 88, they got beat one Then I remember watching it. You get like, the whales Wales on the yeah. uh, on the old Scratchy. on the internet, <laughs> like, what, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ding, ding. I, I watched the Wales-Holland uh, game in 88 live. Uh, and after the game, uh, Rod Collard said Southall was the best goalkeeper in the world. I thought I was saying that. You know, you've got to uh, yeah. see that in all seriousness, haven't you? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Gavin, I mean, Dave's mentioned those those monster contracts. I've got my notes there. He signed a um, six and a half, a six year deal in December '85. Then, as Dave mentioned, a seven and a half year deal in December '88. But well, that was actually. But you can't, I suppose, from, from Everton's point of view, because we're talking about 1990 and the unrest. Um, Nigel Martin is the first million-pound goalkeeper that year, well, yeah. earlier that season. Are you thinking that's that's obviously the benchmark for goalkeepers in, in in the UK? And as Dave's mentioned, that that interest, possible interest from Manchester United there, I think it, it almost made him untransferable in that someone was probably going to have to pay about three or four million for him. Well, that's the what they were talking yeah. about, Wendy.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking Neville's sort of side of it though you know in retrospect, respect you know you said it sounds good to say, you know all that money you know security at 88 but that's when the early 90s when the premier league kicked in that's when the players were easy started you know um up in a lot and i think some of the discontent i think around the mid 90s was that those players coming in who, who were nowhere near as good as neville but were on more money than them because he'd signed the contract in sort of pre Premier league yeah italian 90 days yeah. and um i think that that was uh, i know that was sort of a source of frustration for him understandably so so there's two sides to that it sort of gave the club a bit of security in terms of like if you could move but it also worked against neville mm-hmm. in some respects as nobody thought in 88 you'd see some of the wages that were yeah. around mm-hmm. in, in the mid mid 90s they're pretty bog standard players yeah. you know and I think that would, you know, it, it worked for him against a long term contract for both club and uh, player. Yeah.
0: And then we, we move on, um, Dave. I mean, Neff at first thought he might be onto a winner getting a, a Welsh goalkeeper as manager yeah. at Everton, and, and then Mike <laughs> Walker. But I mean, they just didn't get on. And I suppose one of the, uh, the sort of incidents that highlights that was an uh, infamous time on the pre season tour, and uh, Neff um, went up for his big pre much warm up with. Uh, some items of kit missing. That's one way of putting it. Yeah,
1: I, mean, <laughs> I my first pre-season tour with Everton was '93 to Switzerland uh, when Howard was the manager.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, Neville wasn't there for the first two or three days uh, because uh, Howard indulged him. You know, he realised how important he was, and Neville didn't like being away from home, and so he let him spend the first two or three days at home until uh, we played our first our first friendly match. Yeah. And then you know, so Neville you know appeared in the hotel. And I remember it very, very clearly because he sat down with a pot of tea because, uh, you know, he loved his tea, brought his own tea out with him. christened me TJ, because apparently looked I thought, I thought it looked like TJ Hooker, the William Shatner character from, <laughs> uh, from television. And you know, the worst nicknames bestowed on people. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I became very aware very, very quickly of like sort of what a larger-than-life character he was. Yeah. And then it wasn't you know, sort of later the same year, wasn't it, 93, that Howard went. And then uh, Mike Walk was appointed in January '94, and yeah, they didn't see eye to eye. I think it's fair to say. And uh, I mean, it was a really, really low point in the club's fortunes. That and uh, the preseason tour was in was in Sweden, and um, you know, so Neville had gone away with them right from the start. And it was before a friendly match, and like there, there was a crowd in, you know, so there's like a lot of youngsters in the crowd. And uh yeah, his, his kit was now probably and so Neville had like so sort of kicked off. I said, Look, where's my kit? So I need it where I've got to start, as you say, his infamously long warm-ups. And he goes, if that kid's not there in five minutes,' I'm going out like this. And all he had on was a pair of football boots and shin pads, nothing else. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, so they couldn't find the kit. So we did, he strode out. I've still got this image yeah. of him walking out naked apart from like his shin pads. His famous on and, and yeah, the yeah, coast. Running after <laughs> him, trying to pull him back, <laughs> and eventually he got it back into the dressing. Room. He found the kids and he walked out, you know, so fully attired then. But again, that
2: was never. He just, you know, basically, you know, just wanted to make he, he could, he could be stopped. don't have one oh, i yeah, oh, I remember at yeah. Chelsea in '85. He, he got yeah. sent off um, for for two bookable offences, things enough, you know, and um he, he came off and he took his top off, yeah. and he had like you know bare or so. And he yeah. sees like he's not. There's no not carrying yeah. excess blood there yeah. you know and howard went mad, mad yeah. after the game with him like because he felt yeah. he's was everybody like he just was yeah stop off you know walked off without you know and that was a major story you yeah. know that Nev getting sent off goalkeepers never really got sent yeah. off in them days and it was person for
1: handling the ball I the, the yeah him. yeah I think and I, I defense, think he yeah. booked yeah.
2: And, yeah. he got, yeah. and, and Howard went mad with him and I think Nev had a bit of a shock and I think he I think he needed sort of cooling down on on occasions and i think how how did that with him with him a few times and then he got sent off a couple of times in 92 93 i yeah. think didn't he as well because so he got, yeah, got sent and off times. Came in, he, for a of yeah and um, you know so i think he could be a little bit sloppy on occasions but what set him apart i think from all the keepers other great keepers around that time or before and i remember john Giles saying this and john Giles reading news football saying that you have a look at other goalkeepers like Shilton, like Clemence, if you can see the goal, the first thing they do is shout at the defence. <laughs> you know, it's all yeah. their fault and stuff yeah. like this. And that unnerves everybody. He said with well, Neville, he can he can be sloppy, but if you can see the goal, there was no histrionics and yeah. flailing of arms and pointing them fingers and shouting. You know, um, and he said that, that that calm authority was sort of one of his, one of his great sense. There's other gatekeepers who could become very sloppy and unsettled people. Yeah. On, on occasions, and and Ned was not really like that. But he could be stuffy, you know, on the old moments. And he, I think I was mad at him at eighty-five at, uh, at Stamford Bridge after the game. Really late into him. You know? Yeah,
0: well, as supposed to obviously, Mike Walker it was it was a low point. But then after that, Joe Royal coming in, and then rolling back the years in ninety-five Cup Final. So which meant he was the only other player, of course, to win two FA Cup medals, and they they became eleven years apart from each each other i mean it it, it was another classic um softball performance
1: yeah i mean he never actually got the man of the match award that day um was it waggy got it i think Dave. right um but it's what gab just said there about calm authority because if you look back at the highlights of that game there's no like show real saves i mean everyone like plucks out the uh the the catch from the paul Mm skulls shot it was a box standard catch to be fair and um you know he he Made a number of stops that were you would expect Neville Southall to make. They weren't absolutely standout saves, but it was that presence and that calm authority that just you know look, I'm in charge here, and uh, there was never any sense that you know Everton were up against this, that you know we were going to be you know so under pressure because he just exuded this authority and this presence throughout the game, and that was you know a great quality. Because that was an age when probably, you know, so his agility was beginning to go a little bit and he wasn't quite the uh, you know sort of goalkeeper he had been, but he still had that presence and that like sort of commanding authority. And uh, he was and he famously drove home after the game. Yeah. I remember uh, Paul Ryder saying to me, saying, Oh, Nev's gotta stay, never's gotta stay. Uh, cause Neville, I was doing the column with Neville then for the fussy echo and uh Neville had given like little pats on the back for players throughout the course of the season, and Paul was one of them. But, you know so he built his confidence up with a few mentions and paul was desperate for him to stay and enjoy the night and ne- no, i'm going home no. and he famously said this in post-match interview when you spend as much time with these you, you want to go home as well yeah. and he did you know so he drove home after the game and i think he gave a couple of fans a lift he'd seen stranded on the motorway you know so hard shoulder that was just him just
2: being now united fans yeah exactly right, that, that was just never being neville if there's an interesting thing about like what Plano said about like him being a little bit indulged certainly you know, uh, and, and there's a little bit of uh, Roy Keane and Nev. Yeah. I think the way like Ferguson indulged Roy Keane, yeah. especially early on, uh, did things for him off the pitch. And Roy Keane's sort of focus on professionalism and a bit of disdain for some of the other stuff that yeah. goes on in football, even as a pundit. And, and never was like that. I think all that peripheral stuff, he, was, he wasn't particularly interested in yeah. It was just about being a, a great professional, but there's a great photo of him and um, we played Hamlin it might just be being before probably you you did the uh, overseas tours We played Hamlin I think in 91 in, in Germany Pipe Piper Hamlin so we had like a couple a few kids dressed up as rats before the okay. game <laughs> <who laughs> nice. out to, okay. to meet the players there's a photo of that where you can just see Nav what is this all about? his oh, like, preparations. <laughs> like, you, know, yeah. and that, you can just imagine the, I was yeah. also seeing and like what he what he was like before and after that. Like, what are these kids as rats <laughs> before the game? Well, well yeah, so t- talking about it, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, it was the following the ninety-four summer, the Mike Walker summer, when we had a pre-season tour. first of all to Sweden, the one we mentioned about him walking out you know nearly naked, and then we went to Germany after that and played St. Pauli uh, up in Hamburg. And um, Neville was really, you know, so angry and irritated about, the, you know, the, the, the preparations for that game. Because we were staying in a town called Fiefelstedt, which was a four hour drive south of St. Pauli. Okay. And so we actually left from Fiefelstedt to drive to Hamburg. And the players had to stop halfway at a motorway service station for the pre-match meal. And Neville was going mad because uh, you know you couldn't find anything in the service station that you wanted to eat and um he says this is dog i remember him now dog and duck united and so this is dog and duck united yeah. so we got to hamburg anyway he said hey tj come in this so before the game they're warming up. uh him and Andy hinchcliffe he says he had these like big, you know, some brat raw sausages you know sort of with served up with onions and stuff go, go and get us one of them I said, really? Yeah, go and get as well. So Andy was like, you know, join in. Yeah, go on, I'll have one as well. And so I went and bought these, like, sort of two big hot dogs. Like, so brought them to the edge of the hedge. Neville came over, took one off me. You see, Andy was a bit nervous. He was like, well, Really, like little school kids? Should we do this? Should we do this? And that never was like, Yeah, we haven't eaten coffee, have we? You know, so we'll yeah. be, we eat this. So, took them off me and marched down and put it in the back of his net. Whether he actually physically ate it or not, I don't know. But whether it was just him, like making the point. But we've not had a meal yet. But I know you want that yet. <laughs> you <know>? But that's what <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like Roy Keane and Saipan like, is in 2002
2: yeah. with the kids and walking out. There's that total commitment to being a top professional and everything has to be right yeah and that's what set Roy Keane apart and that's what set never Apart. Yeah. or why he was a great player it's not just a training is it? it's that total mindset yeah thinking on and off the pitch 24 yeah. 7 that everything is done to make it you know you've got to be the best you've got to prepare properly yeah. and you suspect suspecting in even from the late 80s his mindset was probably different to a lot of yeah. Most of the players and the that like, you know, was well, a hard drinking stuff co- like, yeah, drinking yeah. yeah, culture. Yeah. And he was a he? yeah, it? So, absolutely. And I think that in the early 90s, it was probably even worse because in the 80s, you could get away with being hard drink, could it? And still play, play great on, on a Saturday. Everybody knew that every team did that, but by the 90s, that sort of difference was magnified because the game was changing, so yeah. you weren't supposed to think. So Nev seeing thinking and being a tool that, that probably magnified the problem for him a lot more, yeah. I think, and that came across. I think that produced some of the frustrations we've spoken about here, really, with the way the club was going. Even even when Howard came back in ninety, you know, you could you could see you could see the difference, and and uh, I think Nev being a senior pro at the time and knowing the standards that you had to have to be the best, I think you could see why he got enormously frustrated. And why why you know he asked for. Asked me a couple
0: of times. Yeah, I mean, if we look back now, twenty-five years on, just how was his his legacy um, viewed, Dave? Um, but obviously, it was tough at the time. They originally tried to get Nigel Martin to to replace yeah. him in '96. Obviously, we all know that ended on a fiasco. Signed for Leeds United, got him seven years too late, and then in between there, Thomas Muir didn't last too too long. Guy for them, it was only, I suppose, when when Tim Howard eventually came, stayed for, for for ten years. He had any sort of sort of long term. Replacement. I mean, how do we sort of view him now? It's, I suppose it's the old question, of course, isn't it? It's, he's revered at Everton, mm-hmm. rightly so, but I just wonder if the rest of the, the football world perhaps um, treats him with the, the due um, deference that he his, his legacy should possibly, with, Possibly yeah. not.
1: I think the passing of time has enhanced his legacy yeah. uh, amongst Evertonians. Uh, we realized at the time how good he was yeah. uh, but as time passes and you see a succession of goalkeepers that aren't quite as good as he was and you realize how very very special he was and um he is a living legend and there aren't many you can say that about you know so you you tend to get legendary stickers bestowed upon you you know a curious fashion but you know he's 100 you know so an absolute since living legend outside of the football club yeah he probably did suffer because of, like we said, the European ban, which allowed him, you know, so not to, you know, prevented him from, you know, sort of displaying his talents on a wider showcase. And equally the World Cup stage, and it's very, very ironic this, because, you know, his last opportunity to go to a World Cup was 94, uh, when Wales famously lost to Romania at home. And Neville, one of his rare mistakes, you know, sort of dived over a shot in that game. And to be fair, I mean, Wales equalised and then Paul Bowden famously had the opportunity to, you know, send them to the World Cup final with the penalty uh, and hit the crossbar with us. Um, And that was his last opportunity to showcase those talents on a real wider stage. So, yeah, he probably is still... um, I don't know, suffering a little bit in that he doesn't quite get the profile he deserves that, you know, people like Schmeichel later got, yeah. but in a mad Emerson kind of way, that makes us love him even more because, yeah. you know, it's, it's the underdog story about, uh, you know, so well, we don't care, we know how good you were yeah. uh, and he was at, a, at, a, at his peak and his peak was a long time. It was a seven or eight years. He was the best, you know, in the world and he's still, I've been watching football since 1975 and he's the best I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean,
0: Gav, similar to you, I mean, you, I remember you saying to me, obviously, Liverpool fans don't like to say anything good about yeah. a lot of Everton players and he's probably the, the one Everton player who,
2: aren't there any red or other words well, no, no. no, no, no. I mean, there's, there's very few players, I think, in Merseyside football who are totally respected across all sides of Stanley Park and um, to their ability. Yeah. You know, from Liverpool side, I'd say like Dag Leash and you know, because he could be Bush, even though you know, he's you not know, a great player. And Nev is probably the one Everton player that you know, when they say if you put people put show deals of the saves on Twitter, and you see the comments on it, the, invariably, there'll be quite a few from Liverpool fans yeah. saying he was a great keeper, you know, and but even from ones of other clubs, really. Yeah. And when you say about like sort of legacy, it's a long time ago now, yeah. yeah. You know, we're talking about the Premier League before 1992. That's 30 years ago, isn't it, yeah. really? So Nev made the Evan W. What, 30? or oh, 40, eight, 40 years ago. Yeah, October 81. So it's a long time ago, you know. So, it, it, but I, I remember at the time thinking, even like in 80s, when you look at like in an 80, an 85, and 87, Nev was, he was above, he, he was the best player in the team. I would imagine that. I, I mean, there was to would be like most players would probably play to it. Never probably say that he was probably the best player that he ever played with, yeah. you know, even though he was a goalkeeper. He, he was that good, and his legacy for me is like he is the greatest ever Everton player, isn't he? I'd say after Dixie Dean, he's the greatest Everton player. I put him ahead of Alan Ball. I know it's different with the goalkeeper, but his longevity and his influence on the team, yeah. um, you know. So so if you think about that, a great achievement in, in itself. But there's something else, isn't it, about Nev that's a little bit more intangible. It is a little bit about his intent, you know. Yeah. It's like his indifference to the whole fame thing, you know, his it, stubbornness. That yeah. I think sometimes, as an Everton supporter, you <laughs> can sort of identify his bloody mind You yeah. know, you can identify with, and I think that's sort of like what what makes him great as well. People hate arrogance you know sort yeah. of
1: players that have you know sort of got ideas above the station and never was quite the opposite yeah. uh, i remember when i was a young you know sort of young journalist going up to belfield i was playing Sunday league football at the time and i uh, fancied myself as a penalty taker and i was always trying to say to there i was saying come on let's go out on the pitch i'll take penalty against jenna Fancied myself to like score you know i, I said 100 said, percent I'll, I'll score 10 out of 10 against you <laughs> I, 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 I was like a young kid who was like you know so sort of full of you know so sort of ridiculously misplaced self-confidence and uh, Neff was always, no, 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 I'm not I'm sure at penalties. I'm sure at penalties. I'm saying, like, well, never was helpful. And yeah. he wasn't. He was great at penalties. But that was him downplaying his, his greatness, as it had been Mark Falco. Ah, wow, he put it straight at me. Uh, and he did. He always downplayed his talent. Uh, and he was, he was like just a force of nature, but he was humble with us. Yeah. In a strange way, you know, he knew how good he was, but never, ever advertised the fact. And that's, again, you know, sort of why he was so highly
2: regarded, yeah. I think. I, I always think about, like, so not, the Falco save. He had that sense of awe, I think, even with the puns. Because remember, Falco said after the game, this first place from the destiny, and we was just complete silence. <laughs> yeah. Just sitting there, just couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, they couldn't believe the save at the end, and they yeah. knew how critical it was in the season. And there's, 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 there's that memory. The two memories have got is that save, and the other one is Hillsborough in, yeah. at the end of the 85 season, But he makes an incredible save off him, right? Ferrari, yeah. yeah. where but he actually. Moves to go to his left, yeah. thinking Verratti's going to hit it, but Verratti sort of mishits it a little yeah. bit. As in, Ray like, was yeah. was proud <laughs> to do if you ever yeah. watched an to yeah. and it sort of catches the inside, inter- in, his instep, and it goes to the far post. And you know, he, he, and he, I was like behind the goal, and you just watching. You think, you know, yeah. like how, how did he do that? But it, yeah. it's after that. That 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 wasn't the end of it because in the next ninety seconds, Sheffield Wednesday had six corners. Yeah. <laughs> And you produces a fantastic save about like 15 seconds later mm-hmm. off ahead of from Like one of his like Falco saves, you know, right. So, you know, he tips away and then Brian Mahler hits the bar. And I remember David Lacey's, you know, fantastic football, like, to say in that, um, you know, everyone showed why they are, where they are. And they did it on the goal line. And yeah. that's just nev basically yeah. for 90 seconds, keeping yeah. Seth Wednesday back because he won that day, and if he hadn't won that day, He wasn't the one that had against QPR, you see. Yeah. So that, that's the difference, you know, and those would be two memories. And the other one, which is just remembered, critical moments in seasons, in 87, we went to Chelsea, again, compete for the title with Liverpool. One, Chelsea just equalised, and um, you're thinking, oh, we get beat here, the title's gone again. And a typical, like, Nev save off a uh, close range of Kelly Dixon, incredible reflexes. Ball goes out. Kevin Rackford carries on off the pitch, ends up with Alan Harper. Yeah. Alan Harper scores <laughs> Tw- 20 seconds <laughs> after Nev's yeah. made, made a crucial save. And um, Harper takes us to the top of the table, 27 plays yeah. And that's what great players do. And yeah. that's why Neville was the, the greatest. Yeah, I think, that'd I think
0: that would be excellent. I think that do. So I hope you all enjoyed listening to that as much as we we enjoyed doing it. And it will probably uh, be a, a fitting tribute to Neville and his career at Goodison Park. And we'll be back with you soon with some more um, Everton podcasts throughout the World Cup. But um, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Gav. This has been a special edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.